On today's episode of The Unconventional Podcast, I sat down with Christina Mitchell, making homes and schools a happier place through resilience and mindset coaching. This was an incredibly passionate conversation about Christina's experience in the school system and how she believes we need to evolve to really support children at the grassroots. Christina's wealth of knowledge in this space even picked up on a few things in myself that no one else knew at the time. If you're a parent with children at any age, this will be an episode you will truly engage with. I hope you get as much out of this one as I did. Right, you've got a lot of tech and a lot of cars going on there, Andy. I've got a lot of tech, yeah. Um, I've got a lot of cars, a lot of Lego. Lego is the thing that keeps me down um, from being a bit crazy. Um, I've actually, and we'll, we'll come on to this in a minute, and you you will actually, funnily enough, you'll be the first to know, even though by the time this goes live, everyone will know. So there's something I'll, I'll go through with you once we're on this, once we the conversation evolves. Um, but anyway, thank you for coming on. I know that um, there was a, a little bit of confusion as to what we were going to discuss, but your original message to me um, really caught my eye. Um, because it was about your work with children in schools um, and you said that you've in some way or another you've got the brain of a seven-year-old or you can tap into the brain of a seven-year-old yeah <laughs> and the reason I I that struck a chord with me was because um, my wife works in a school with young children um and she's she, her particular job is she's a, a a learning support assistant for an autistic four-year-old um and that comes with its own challenges as i'm sure you you are aware um so tell us um before we kind of get into the the the, the kind of conversation about around schools and that which i i really really want to do tell us a little bit about yourself uh, your kind of background, what what got you into it, and kind of um, why you love it. Um, so I was a primary school teacher for over twenty five years. Um, so I've got a primary school background, but on a personal level, um, I've always tried to wanted to understand why I struggled emotionally. So as soon as I got to university, I went to a counsellor to try and learn to be assertive, AAK find my voice. In my twenties, I travelled the world, and then. I collapsed at work and the doctor said you're suffering from anxiety and I'm like but I've just traveled the world I'm not anxious and I did a couple of years of inner child therapy where back then you wrote with your non-dominant hand when they asked you questions to find out what your inner child was saying um, and although it kind of soothed the way a little bit I, it left me feeling that well my needs weren't met as a child and um, I was a high functioning on the outside and I uh, had a great teaching career and I was always doing well at school and set to promotions and I got married and had kids but every now and again, when stuff happened, things like the wheels fell off my bus. So as soon as I had my first son, who's 19 now, I started in in-depth researching and studying how to immunize him against mental health issues because I didn't want him to experience depression like I had. So in my PGC year, I phoned the Samaritans because I was like, I've got nothing, I've got nobody and I'm struggling. So I've been on this mental health journey for over 30 years. Now, back then, you would never, ever tell anyone that you were struggling. You always just acted as if you're in control and you've got it sussed. Um, but I've always had an interest in it. So as soon as I learned something, I'd teach it at school and I'd do workshops. 
And then I'd bring more and more stuff into school and I'd keep going and I'd never stop and I'd learn stuff and do workshops. And then one day my head teacher left and she asked me to go and deliver that program I brought into that school um, and evolved and made it my own um, into her school. And then I did. And then because I didn't want to be a teacher that gave an inset day where at the end of the day, we all like that was nice, but nothing happened. I gave them all resources, everything I had to make them hit the ground running. And then it it was all over school. It worked massively. She, see, she told the head teacher and they told another head teacher. And fast forward, I trained to be a life coach. And everything I've done is to help me be the best mum I can. Because what I know to be true in the absolute core of my being, to truly help young people, we have to empower their key influencer in their circle of connection. Because we have these sliding door moments how we respond to them all the time. So it's a carer, it's their parent. And it is the teacher teaching assistant. And in schools, that comes from the top. So, you know, like it, it filters down. So everything I've learned, it's let me tell someone else. And I've never deliberately set up to do what I'm doing. People just keep asking me, can you do this? Or can you do this? Can you do it? Or can you do it for secondary? Can you do it? And I just kept doing what I love because I just know I've gone on my own journey. And counselling never worked really. CBT didn't work. But on the coaching journey, when you really get responsible, for what you can do differently and you get the how and you get tools it's transformational so i just pass it on so um it's born out of love and everything i've learned it's about me helping my home be happier and my relationship with my children mm. and and then just passing on because why wouldn't you why wouldn't you pass on all this good stuff mm. so creating all those ripples um so that's why i'm here today because i just love it and i saw something came something you posted and i thought i'll let them know i'm available and then i didn't check the comments for a month i was like oh my goodness that's friday <laughs> Yeah, you're not the first person to do that. Um, the, yeah. the trouble is, because I was booking so far ahead, um, and in fairness, the podcast has kind of it took a backseat over Christmas, and then we've had other stuff going on. I've I've got really busy with the business, and but it's something that I'm desperate not to stop. And the reason I don't want to stop it is for conversations like this, um, because you know. For me, and I've said this before publicly, it's like a free education for me all of the time. I, I sit and I talk to people that I've never spoken to before that have got all these different experiences in, in the space that I live in. Um, and it is just a, a free education for, for me that just beyond anything that I, I could pay for. So obviously you've given quite a lot of information there. Let me try and break some of that down. So because when I speak to a lot of people on this podcast, they'll tell me how they struggled when they were young. They then continued to struggle. And actually, they've been to see various different people that that some helped, some didn't. What I find fascinating about what you've just said is that you kind of turned some of that trauma and some of those challenges. You flipped that at, from quite a young age and turned it into something that how can I put it, that was then going to go and support others. And and, and you turned it into a positive, and I, I can't find the words to actually get that across, but you, you almost didn't need anyone else to do it. You've, you've found it. You, you turned it into something that you could work with. Does, does that make sense? And that's what I find fascinating about it. It wasn't something that someone else did for you. You did. You seem like you did it all on your own, and then decided I'm going to take this and I'm going to share it. Um, 
Well, no, I didn't do it on my own. So every time I learned stuff, if it worked for me, I'd pass it on. So I'm a magpie. So there would be um, Andy Cope, Paul McGee, uh, Sean Acor, Mel Robbins. Any time I learned stuff, they're just a few I'm chucking out there. Um, I'd practiced it in the school setting. I'd practiced it at home at work and I'd pass it on. And then about five years ago, when I was training to be a life coach, I realised you've got to get your own house in order before you coach someone else. And you've got to walk your talk. So it's not like, well, I'm here and I'm helping you down there. I'm on the journey with you. So anything that I've gone on, on that journey and, and worked through, then I hold a space to help, help other people. So actually, I, I have had loads of support. But the key to it is you've got to turn that those insights into action and do the work. So I used to, when I delivered my program in schools, teach the teachers this brilliant project about what we need to teach the children. Because I don't do any of it. And I wish I had it done when I was younger. Here's the how. But that's that's not as effective and it's a little bit inauthentic. You've got to walk your talk. So, you know, don't make don't worry about making mistakes, kids. We've just got to know mistakes the way we learn, and then I'll be absolutely crucified by making a mistake. You've got to go to the inner world, go, what's going on below the surface that I'm absolutely crumbling when I feel I've made a mistake or I've got something wrong, and go and shift that below the surface. So no longer does it does it affect you when you make a mistake. So then when you stand in a, in a sea of 100 staff in a school setting, you go, I was there, now I'm here. It's possible. Let's go on this journey together. Mm-hmm. So then they go and do the inner work. So they hold a different space and come walk their talk in front of their pupils, both primary and secondary. So yes, I've done it myself, but you, I just magpie all the stuff from other people and go, it works. And the reason why I say I relate to the world like a seven-year-old is because I will do trainings for CEOs because I work with companies and organizations as well as schools. And I will get out my pig, my beach ball, my balloons, my frying pans, my emojis, because deep down inside every one of us, there is an inner child that wants to feel safe, wants to feel noticed, wants to feel enough, wants to feel loved. And we can layer so much adult humanness on top of it that the adult takes over and we lose that inner child and that joy. So it's about connecting that primary teacher that of colour and props and joy and simplicity and a commonality of language. And every time I roll that out, people go, wow, that complicated concept. It makes sense because I've addressed it like a seven-year-old. And I use, uh, I haven't got fit to hand now, but I use that on. So I would use the same drawings with a CEO, with a millionaire client, with a barrister, with a head teacher, with a four-year-old, with a 14-year-old, and I go, do you know what? Sounds like your chimp brain came out because you were afraid. You know, you got really angry and you shouted, your chimp brain came out. Or sounds like you're just freezing, you know, and we'll go through the, you know, when you're being, you're hung, hanging around with your friends and you're struggling a little bit, um, it sounds like your friends are flocking together and they're leaving you out a bit or whatever, and I'll use that. Because that is relatable to anybody. We make it simple. It is. So with a child I'm recently working with, we go, well, sometimes when I feel jealous of my sibling, I'm going to fight. But sometimes when I'm feeling better mute, I just fawn and I just try and, you know, get my mum's attention. And they understand it and it takes away the, the, the you know, the, the, the negativity of it away. So we just make it simple. Mm. I want to I want to kind of bring you. There's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are parents. Um, like yourself, like me, um, and because it's because we we're going through a period of our time where my two young boys, my eldest son Jake is autistic, he's ten. I've then got Josh, who's seven, both very different, as you can imagine. 
Um, and then my wife, as I say, works in my youngest son's school as a learning support assistant for uh, a young boy. Um, extremely challenging day to day because you never know what you're going to get. I hear the stories from her in terms of when she comes home and tells me about her day. In your experience, what, what what's going on in schools right now in terms of why they are struggling to support the the amount of children that are coming out with additional needs for learning and what is it that you've tried to do or tried to implement over the years to to try and support that need um oh gosh there's lots of elements to it there so i think we've got a bit of a parenting pandemic on the back of the pandemic because as a parent we have one key role to keep our child safe so they survive and they carry on the human race so once upon a time when it was a saber-toothed tiger we were protecting our child from that's changed and now there's a gazillion things we need to protect our child from so we feel maybe a threat to our child and we can we, we struggle and we're not feeling as safe so as a parent we worry and stress over things more than we might have done because i don't feel as in trouble i'm worried about stuff more so i'm going to get upset about the book band or the coat or that someone might have looked at them in the playground or they've had this time and we can we have this fear so it's it's looking at the children aren't just the the people that we need to help it's the parents as well to help them feel we're on the same team we're doing what we can it's in their best interest we're trying to empower them and how to empower the parents to to be a little bit safer so there's that side um and then in i think everyone feels less safe so the the place to start with is is this is the teaching staff the teaching assistants everyone working with children to help them understand when they're triggered and they've got all their stuff going at home, how to hold steady, clear themselves out the way, react with the difference between stimulus and response as a space, and they get practiced at staying in that space. Um, and I do think that there's possibly lots of parents who are panicking, and even and young people, teenagers, if I, if I had a label, I'd feel better and explain it. Now, absolutely, there's diagnosis that needs to happen. There's some children who haven't had one and need one, but I think sometimes it's not a diagnosis and teenagers want a box. There's so much stuff and fear and, and stuff going on at home that they're so dysregulated and they don't feel safe that we need to work on that. Mm. And it, it's not just this thing they think it is. It's like, I don't feel safe. I don't feel connected. I don't feel comfortable in my own skin. I don't know where I fit in. I've got parent here, parent there. I've, I've, I've got this going on. And, and there's all that that means we're not feeling safe and settled. Mm. And it's magnified massively after the pandemic mm. because we never felt safe. We never felt in control and we're still not sure. And then you get all the other crisis that's going on at the moment. So um, with going back to your original question about your wife at school, I, it'd be like, what? What are the issues? Is it helping support the parents in that situation? Is it the fact that children aren't as regulated? I kind of need to know a bit more. But in every situation, it's dig below the surface. What's really going on? Mm. Where's I'd, the fear? What's yeah, the support? I would say that if I had to pigeonhole it, um, one of the biggest concerns that that she sees, she's she's a one to one to us to, to one child by rights. That's her responsibility. Um, but obviously, because she's so tuned in to that world of neurodiversity because of our son and the world we've lived in for so long, so many years, um, she sees lots of things in lots of children. Um, and, you know, 
she she's only one person and she can only help as much as she can help but the reality is for us to have gone through the process we went through to get jake uh, an ehcp my eldest son it was a long grueling process as i'm sure you know um lots of parents are too busy to go through it or haven't got the support network to be able to go through it um we were very very fortunate that we did and therefore their children are just in the mix with all the other children in some cases drowning um and like i said there's only so much she can do um and the, and i think you make a really good point about the pandemic it seems to have got much worse since the pandemic and i really like your point about it's not just on the surface, right, the children have got problems. It's actually there's so much going on that's deeper than that. So I think for me, I guess the question is, what is the answer to be able to not only support these children that aren't labelled, as you as you said there, but there also isn't the, the, the resources and the expertise in the schools a lot of the time either? It's helping people learn how to be human. Because if we loved every human as the individual that they were and were able to step into the world of our every every child and every adult go, right, let's step into their world. What do they need? What does it look like? Be curious. Then we're 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 catering as we're catering for a variety of needs because there's children who have got diagnosis, haven't got diagnosis, but even if they're not, even if it's even if it's not neurodiversity, you don't know what other traumas going on at home. They present normally. But dad's got a drinking problem, but mum's mum's depressed. They're living with granddad because mum can't cope. Dad's away in prison or, you know, you've got, you don't see all of that. And there's so much struggling going on at home. And mum didn't grow up with their own parents. You know, it, there's all sorts of other stuff that even if you, you, you don't have a neurodiversity, you've got chances that you've got something going on. Yeah. Um, so the more we help our staff learn how to be human so that we can connect with the parents at a different level, that we can we can be what I call modern day brave, modern day brave. If you put bravery into Google, you'll get every high octane sport going, mm. jumping out of airplanes, swimming with whales, jumping across a ravine. And if you look at it, what's the sticker? It's a lion. It's all very masculine, high octane stuff. Where we want to get to is start walking our talk explicitly talking about modern day bravery is eye contact with someone modern day bravery is saying i don't understand modern day bravery is looking at yourself to go i'm actually jealous in this situation but that's okay because i feel fear that i might lose someone's love i need to do a little bit of more clear myself out of the way and then move forward again with love modern day bravery is letting go of hurt modern day bravery is connecting with another human being and I think we need to redefine bravery coming out of a very scary time to, to be able to show up differently and hold steady. We're like, I don't know what I'm doing, going, but I can hold steady and trust I'm going to get through this mm. and build that level of bravery and that level of courage and trust so that we can trust we're going to be OK. And we're going to get through it. And in a school in a school setting, the more we understand ourselves and we're in a class. I mean, you've got mainstream and etc. whatever class it's in, how that teacher shows up and the space they hold is more powerful than any resource and any lesson they are ever going to teach. Mm. The love that comes in their eyes, the way when they've got all this sort of stuff going at them and they could be triggered themselves, they can hold steady and trust. 
and they know they've got this support network of a team around them. It's mm. building the people in the school when you haven't got the money and you haven't got the resources, but you have got the people and mm. they're that hidden marginal gain, that advantage that something happens and they just slow down between stimulus and response. They, they can be in that space. So I work in primary and secondary schools and there'll be um, a child coming up the stairs. It's an example of one of my schools that work in the Grange in Runcorn, fabulous flagship school for the Habit School Project. A, a child can just be walking up the stairs, teacher spot them, oh, we're not due in just yet. Can you go back out and wait with your mum? And they burst into tears because suddenly they feel a little threat to the survival. They feel a bit helpless. And we've got a commonality language to go, sounds like you're in your helpless zone. What could you do to get into your power zone? Oh, and they jump like a superhero and go, oh, yeah, the power's inside me. Stop crying and walk outside. Mm -hmm. So it's finding a commonality of language and helping us understand how to be human. But the staff go on the journey along with the children so that it's just quicker to, to bounce things back. And it's empowerment is the heart of it because mm. we can't magic more money and we can't magic more space in a school or more resources. But what we can do is help our the whole school community develop their understanding of how to be human. Mm. And when that parent comes in, instead of thinking, oh, they're going to have a go at me or I haven't done enough for them. Or, I'm afraid I made a mistake. Go, let's all steady. Mm. Let's be in trust. We're on the same team. It's not about me. You might be frightened. We're on the same team. Let's look at this together. Tell me what's going on. Mm. Oh, so this is how you feel. Can I just let you know my view of the world? What's going on in school? So what we're going to do to move forward? So you're empowered and your child's empowered. That's where that's where the gain's going to come from. Because mm. you can't funding's always going to be an issue, isn't it? And we'd love to go. Do you know what? Let's pour more money into schools, etc. And um, so the answer is helping people learn to understand themselves get more empowered and learn how we need to be a modern day human moving forward mm. the long answer andy because i do like to talk you can tell i'm very passionate about it <laughs> that's that's perfect that's that's the reason you are a guest um i want to i want to talk about the, the what did the, you get from that andy because i did go on a bit what was your key takeaway from what i just shared because well, i'm just it, so passionate that i do know that i can talk a bit no, 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 absolutely. It leads me into my next question, actually, because I think you're right. The, the money and everything else. It, and and I'm going to come on to the, the strikes because that's a, a, a very on topic conversation at the moment. Um, and, you know, people will have their say. My wife was uh, on a thread the other day where someone had screenshotted some um, social media comments from people that were talking about the teacher strikes. And I'm not going to repeat what these comments said but you can imagine um and but what i took from that was that yes funding is always going to be a challenge it always has been whether it's teaching whether it's the nhs whether it's any of those kind of government-led uh, systems if you like money is always a challenge um but it it has to be driven by the people it has to be driven from the top down if one person within the organization doesn't buy into it that can be quite toxic i guess my question really and, and something for us to discuss is the strikes would suggest that there's quite a lot of unrest within the teaching community, uh, whether it's about pay, whether it's about conditions, whether it's about the, the additional pressures being put on teachers. I completely get that if you go into a school tomorrow with this level of enthusiasm, with this level of passion that you clearly have, it's going to be a major benefit to that school and the people within it. But obviously not every school has a you. So 
where where do they go if they can't afford to pay you and they've then got lots of unrest lots of challenges where teachers are potentially feeling quite low in themselves because the pressure is just becoming more and more and more intense how do we solve that as a as a nation so first of all i'm just going to go back to the word you said unrest i don't believe it's unrest because schools function at the absolute optimum and and, it, and it, there's slightly different energies in primary and secondary school the schools are just saying that we want to be valued, we want to be recognised, we want to be seen, we want to definitely be valued and different countries value their teaching staff in different ways. And I think sometimes we like to we like to blame people and we we like to what it's it's not unrest, it's like we just want to be valued because teachers they give their heart and soul to what they're doing and it's not often recognized or seen and they can do 10 amazing things go above and beyond they don't feed their own children properly or take their own children's clubs and they don't go and exercise and they work at weekends and that one thing they haven't got around to do with a parent they'll jump on that because they see that parent and he's returning my child and protecting my child they'll see that negative and they haven't they've forgotten about the 10 things they've done as well and also it's it's about the, the teachers trying to communicate to the government you must invest you must invest to get to reward to go we value what you're doing and if my my key point of you you've all all schools are doing their, their best in in different ways but the key to all of this is self-awareness you the more the more you understand yourself the more you skill yourself up so in business anyone who progresses in business they do a ton of inner work they look at where they've got fears and limiting beliefs and they challenge themselves they get mentors they get coaches they just go i've got it all inside me and off i go they raise their game, they raise their game. So I'm luckily enough, there's been some public health funding on the Wirral and I'm working with 35 schools and I'm working with their head teachers and everything I'm getting across, they're trickling down. So there are there are solutions, there are there are ways, but it's having that awareness go, I've got to look at me. I've got to build myself up as a, as a teacher, teaching assistant, support assistant, head teacher. The more we look at ourselves, the whole human, and we can we can listen to a podcast. We can listen to the diary of the CEO, read some self-development books, The Happy Advantage by Sean Aker, Big Potential by Sean Aker, um, Mel Robbins, 54321. Do some personal development so you make you stronger. So when you're in the classroom, you can ride those waves a little bit more mm. um, because you're the key resource. Mm. Because in schools, it is humans, growing humans, dealing with humans. So mm. what's the best thing you can do is learn how to be human, learn how to connect and relate to other humans, because that's, that's the difference in all these slimes or moments. We can all you know, sit and mark and prep a lesson. It's all it, That's the glue. Relationships is the glue. But the more you know yourself, the more you can, you can reach your potential. So if you, if you haven't got the money to invest, there's a ton of information, resources, mm. books, courses to go. I'm going to learn to 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 do that. And um, yeah, look at yourself to to grow your bravery or mm. your resilience, etc. Um, so yeah, does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Um, and I've got another one. Obviously, um, one of the challenges, Wait. one of the challenges that um, I've been kind of hearing on the grapevine, and and I think is is fairly well documented at the moment is that we don't seem to have new people or as many new people coming through into certain roles and, and teaching is one of those roles where there isn't the there doesn't seem to be the influx of new teachers coming in or it doesn't seem to be as popular a vocation as it perhaps once was 
Now, it's easy to look and go, well, people can earn twice as much being on social media now, so they're not going to want to be teachers. Why would they be? But I don't necessarily believe that's the entire truth, because I still think there's more than enough people in the world that are just born to help other people. Um, but nevertheless, there seems to be an issue there. Have you seen that? Have, have you got any insight into why there is this kind of bottleneck of people coming into these roles? So we're driven by different motivators. So some people are accumulators, they want to earn money. So they'll go into retail or business. And you've got others that they want meaning and purpose and fulfillment through connection. Teachers want meaning, purpose and connection through fulfillment. And you can bear any any what if you've got a why. Yeah, I think Stephen uh, Simon Sinek said, but if you're just getting too much put on you, too many expectations, you're asked to do some pointless stuff and you're not being valued, you're not being appreciated. The thing that took you into it is to, to feel that sense of fulfillment and purpose and connection and part of a family and a team and you thrive. And if you're not getting that as much, then you haven't got the salary. And people talk about the holidays, but the amount that teachers work all the evening and weekends, yeah? So if you're not getting that value, you're not getting that quality of life, as well as not getting the salary, then people are people are just going to leave or, or not go in because they didn't. Get, so you need three things in life. You want happiness, but you need meaning, purpose, fulfillment and variety. So you can get the variety, but as a teacher, you might be happy doing what you're doing, but you get the meaning and purpose. So that's what gets you up. That's your why to get going. But if you constantly kind of get beaten down by, you know, procedures and lack of, a, 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 you know, not, not within a school setting, within the wider thing, how people view schools, you're just not going to be as motivated to go in. So the schools presently, they do an amazing job. Head teachers um, to try and support them, their staff, their parents, their, their pupils, etc. But it's just such a tough job because this is the right way to do it. And I know we need to do it this way. And you get judged for this and gotten and mm. Ofsted move the goalposts and they have to measure on stuff that they don't think is actually helping the child grow and thrive. It and your hands are tied so much because we've got to meet this new offset framework or we've got to do this. And it just makes it so hard to do what they went in to do, which was to shape children, help them thrive and reach their potential. So if you haven't got the money, you need the other stuff. And that's that's on the way, isn't it? And that's why they're going, you know, please just value us. We just want to be valued. And the strikes are about, you know, put your money where your mouth is and value us a bit more. And it's not just the only, they're the only profession, is it? Um, no. No, so. it isn't. Um, lots of profession. And I think all probably all for the same reasons. Um, because, again, you've talked there about if the money's not there. But the reality is most people that go into these professions know that the money isn't there. But they've got that desire to to do more and that desire to help. But as you say, if they that can soon be outweighed by the kind of chaos of everything that's going on at the moment in terms of the role itself, how undervalued they feel, that even that burning desire to help doesn't outweigh all of the negatives currently in the role. Yeah, and coming out of the pandemic two years of having a lockdown with children being at home that could be a fifth of their life it could be a, a you know an eighth of life, but it's a huge chunk of their life where they haven't socialized they haven't connected with other human beings they haven't developed their interpersonal skills they've gone back into schools and then they're expected to get the same result we'll just catch up but you have got such a, an increase of of anxieties and mental health issues in primary and secondary schools that more funding resources is needed to help these teachers cope with 
all these extra things that are going on that didn't exist pre-pandemic. So you've got all these other problems and issues and concerns and worries and fears and severe levels of mental health issues. And by the way, can you just get the results? And we haven't got time to talk about connection and relationships because we need the results and we need them. You know, your data needs to show it. Um, and it's having that understanding that we've got to keep keep this into account. This two years where children were at home, not 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 getting that experience at school, it has impacted. But is that being remembered? You know, by yeah. the powers that be that look at it, go, yeah, it's like it's forgotten. We still just got to get the same results as we used to. But the landscape's changed, and there's a gap. There's a hole. Do, do you think that um, in general in society, parents are of the mindset that school is the teacher's responsibility? When the kids come home, you know, parents are busy, they're working, they've got busy lives, they've got all this. Schools are for, are for learning. And I don't want to have anything to do with that when I when the kids come home. I just want to pass that off onto teachers because, you know, I've certainly been guilty of that in the past pre-pandemic where I've looked at six and seven year olds getting homework and I thought, really, that's a bit much. Like I never got homework at that age, but the times have changed. And obviously, obviously, since the pandemic, my wife and I have accepted our role in making sure that our children are as productive as they can be in in school. And that is a role that us as parents have to play. But do you think there's a lot of parents that perhaps are still not in tune with the role that they're having to play post-pandemic? I think that the more a parent, a school and a child can work together and realise they're on the same team, the, the better we all will thrive. So if we separate it school versus home or child versus school or what, you know, we, we need to be working together. So the more we support a school, the more we we connect with the school and even if we don't agree with stuff but sometimes you, you just got to make you just got to go with the flow a little bit because you know if, if we could all have classes of 10 mm. yeah, but that's not the reality we are in a system it's not perfect at all but everyone's trying to do their best but the more we work together and go like how can we support the school what can we do what can we get responsible for um the better and it is a case of looking at okay where can I take some responsibility to support this journey? What do I need to do more of? What do I need to let go of? Um, and, and how can I support the school rather than be separated from it or against the mm -hmm. school? Because the teachers want the same thing to yeah. help your child thrive. And sometimes it, you know, it it takes a little bit more conversation, understanding to go, right, what's, what's their view of the world? What's our view of the world? But essentially, we're all heading in the same direction. Mm -hmm. We're all on the same bus, just different seats. I feel like that is the transition that we're going through, though, isn't it? Um, as adults with with children, as parents, I, I, and I think it is a big shift. And like any shift and like any transition, it takes time to, for people to get their head around. Um, and I, I definitely think we are very much at the start of that, that change in that education system where parents do have to be more involved. They do have to get behind the teaching staff. They do have to do their bit at home to support the children because the pressures are more intense than they've probably ever been. Um, and I just, I feel that there's a lot of resistance to that and the, and the process of parents realising that's part of their duty now, regardless of how busy they are, regardless of how much they want to watch Love Island. Um, I, I watch it, I'm just saying. Um, I don't, it, just it's, saying. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's something that, 
that we have to do, isn't it? But but I do think it's a transition and one that's going to take a while. Yeah, and, and the biggest factor that influences how a child thrives in life is their home environment. So those sliding dormants, so you can have stuff going on at school and how that parent navigates it is, 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 is key. So the school, you know, they can do as much as they're doing, but if, you know, little, little Jack comes home and something's happened at school and the parent reacts in a you know a, a defensive way or whatever and um you could either have that slang or to empower the child in that moment or help disempower them so my son had a tough time at school a couple of years ago um three lads not being very kind to him at all i never made him feel a victim i mean when the school got in touch i literally cried on the phone thought oh hold on i coached people about bullying i i, I consult on behavior management i've got all this experience and how come it's happened to my son and i once I had a little cry because it was like oh I just like I hold steady. I never made him a bit like, what do I need to do to support him? So if he's walking around feeling a bit small and a bit and a bit of lack and not sure, okay, I need to build him up. So I've got my personal trainer and boxing coach, some young kid, you know, 20-year-olds who he wanted a bit of extra cash to build his energy, his way of being. So he now walked around like this a little bit more, a bit more confident, rather than like, oh yeah, this is getting done to you. And I'm going to be in blame because any child that's unkind to another child, they're coming from lack and not enoughness. That adults can do exactly the same, but it's it's how I the energy and the conversation I had with him, so he he could build himself up and then then hold steady. And you have to be in trust, faith, and optimism they're going to get through it and believe there'll be a gift in it. And if you believe there's a gift, you will. But I could have gone down. The, what does anyone be me? Do you say what they've done today? Da, 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 da. If I'd responded differently, he could have gone in a different spiral. But mm. I was like, right, this is an opportunity. We're going to bounce higher here. Mm. Mm. So it's that self-awareness. And it's that's one instance. But it's the same with, with learning and social relationships. It's like any opportunity. How can we empower our child rather than to try and remove this? Yeah, we want to have but how each opportunity do we empower the child with, with how to think and respond to it. Anything that happens to us, we get to choose what we make it mean. Um, and the more we can go, do you know what? We can choose the negative story, a neutral, a positive. There's all that. So it's not necessarily just sitting with the homework. It's how we empower them when stuff happens. Because tricky stuff happens all the time. It will always happen. Mm. But it's how we then help them bounce higher and get through it. And we can do that the more we, we're we on the same bus with the school and the more we understand ourselves better. So there's, there's different levels of support. It doesn't have to be just the homework side. The mm. biggest one is how they relate to setbacks yeah yeah and I, I actually love that I love the fact that you kind of turned that what what a lot of people would have seen as a negative situation no one wants to know that their children are being bullied in any in any way and you've kind of you know at first it was a bit of a shock because it always is as a parent but then you kind of tapped into what you do and what you've been doing for all these years and actually thought okay how can I turn this um uh how is he um was it uh, your son i've got two sons yes yeah, so yeah, it was, uh, son. it was my youngest son uh, yeah son. he's um so all our children different and once upon a time people used to think you need to see, treat your children the same you don't because you wouldn't feed you wouldn't feed a giraffe and you wouldn't feed a bird the same diet it's the same with our children they need different diets so once i got to stand in the in the world of my youngest son who was different to my eldest and go right what sort of diet does he need it is totally different it's 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 meeting them where they're at not dragging them into your adult world because you're the only one that sees your world and your point of view so my son doesn't value certain things that I do but it doesn't mean anything about me so the less I 
I saw him as as different and difficult or wrong or whatever, um, I can step into his world, give him the diet he needs, and he's he's thriving. Are the challenges absolutely, absolutely? But there's different challenges with different children because they've got different tendencies, and that's a whole other podcast. Um, <laughs> but um, it's stepping into their world and and taking it back to the initial discussion. It was about neurodiversity to help a child with neurodiversity and any child when a teacher or an adult leads us up, let's step into their world and we see them in an individual and give them what suits them and be curious and patient and we use like why well they can't do it yet but we have trust we'll get there then then you, you, you're hitting the mark a bit more with everybody because you don't know who's got what so my elder son's dyslexic um and he came from school home from school once and he said mom the teacher um joked at me for not being able to spell music now he knew that he was dyslexic. He knew not to absorb that and make it mean anything about himself. Now I could go, oh, the teacher, but the teacher's got a gazillion children to coach and, and teach. And sometimes they're in a hurry and they say stuff, don't they? So you can blame a teacher or you can go, what do you want to make that mean? Mm. Doesn't mean anything, mom. Just means I know that, you know, some things I can spell, something can't. Isn't it great? positive story that I know not to make it mean something if I can't spell something and not to make it mean something if someone has a laugh when I can't spell something brilliant there's a gift in that mm. do you see what I mean and that's that's mm. the power from moment to moment yeah you've mentioned there about your older son being dyslexic I want to kind of just touch on labels um, amazingly we've actually been on this for nearly 50 minutes um, and it's been a, a whirlwind 100 mile an hour podcast so far <laughs> Stop. You should see me when I give workshops. I do, I do pause on workshops and training. That's brilliant, though. I love it. I love it. And, and there's so much information in there. And I think and parents listening and and just people in general that are listening that are going to they're going to take away so much from this because, well, certainly I have. Um, but there is so much information in there that, that just goes against those typical kind of barriers that people put up and instant reactions that people have to to negative experiences in their lives and the way that you've demonstrated how you've turned those experiences and what you've turned them into is I mean I think I'm generally quite good at doing that but actually a couple of things you've said on this podcast are, are new to me and things that I'm going to try my myself um labels do you do you find because I've been on social media now for three and a half years on LinkedIn. Um, obviously, we started the business in May last year, uh, the social media agency. And I did that. that. That was never the intention, but I did it because I'd found that I was actually quite good at that. Um, but it, what the, the, the brand Unconventional was inspired by our son, um, because ever since we found out about his autism, we went about life in a very unconventional way. Um, and that's where that name comes from. And then in the last couple of days, I found out something about myself. Having done some online tests and then had some consultations with a, with a, a particular lady. Um, and I found out that I am also neurodiverse. My wife was not surprised. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, I didn't even know you. <laughs> you don't even know me. That's great, that. Um, I, I, I'd always suspected something, but not, um, but, but I didn't have the validation and I'm not one of these people that would just self-diagnose and go shouting about it. So, um, 
I'm glad I went through it and it has answered a few questions. However, in your experience, can labels also work as a negative for some yes, children? Yes, you can hide behind a label. So it's brilliant to get a diagnosis because it gives you understanding, it gives you awareness and you can get to, but we've all got stuff that works and stuff that doesn't work, whether when you're a diverse or not. Yeah, mm. we've all got amazing strengths and, and, and superpowers inside us and we've all got bits that doesn't work so well. And the more you understand yourself, you can play to your strengths and you can use them to the best of your ability and get some strategies or support to help you on the other, on the bit, other side. So as soon as my son got diagnosed with dyslexic and I knew from reception something wasn't right, he just went, oh, I'm not stupid then, mum. Mm. And that's all he needed to know. So now it's spelling... He still can't spell happy birthday. You know, he's 19. He's doing astrophysics at university. He doesn't need to spell astrophysics. doesn't need to spell no. happy birthday. Is he, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it just makes you go, it means nothing about me. What do I need? What strategies do I need to bring in? And there's always something to learn. We can hide behind a label. Oh, I'm shy. That's a label. Mm. Oh, I'm clumsy. Oh, I'm mm. no good with, <clears throat> I'm no good with money. We can all hide behind labels. It's, it's, Know yourself and get support and strategies to help you with the bits that don't work so well. Mm. So I'm great at what I'm doing. Structured systems, procedures, the other ends of my, yeah. So I have to have a rainbow. I literally have got the rainbow of what's my yellow, what's my, my can't think of Richard of you. I've got a rainbow support. <laughs> because I know, I can't even think. Richard, There's colours in there somewhere. Yeah, but it's like, but for nutrition for exercise for mindset for for joy for creativity so i will as my tendency i will give and give and give until i've got nothing left so i need to be aware i've got it written right in front of me say no do you not help because i'll just help everyone and then i'm burnt out and i've literally got there say no do not help because i have a belief that i've had to work with that if you can help someone should help someone otherwise you're selfish well that leads to burnout yeah that's not the same for everybody. Definitely not for my 15 year old who's like, do I have to make me bed, mom? You know, um, <laughs> it's always about, it's just about the relationship, key about the relationship. Um, so I've got huge levels working for myself of support strategies to overcome my weaknesses. I didn't grow up knowing my dad. I used to make that mean, well, I mustn't matter because I don't know my dad. I've never known him, never got any maintenance, don't know that side of the family. I've learned to choose a positive story. It meant nothing about me. It meant everything about him. Mm. It had nothing to do with me. I, I, I witnessed some domestic violence before I was even four. You know, mm. I've, I can now see the positive story in that. Mm. Really turn that into a positive and I'm passing it on. But I haven't got a label, but you could, I don't know, Childhood trauma, adverse childhood experiences, a little bit crazy. We can all give ourselves a label. It's understand yourself and be proactive and take responsibility. What support and get. But a diagnosis can give you like a, ah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's not just me. Ah, it's me thing. Right, now what can I do about it? And it helps other people. If you have got a, a, a diagnosis to to navigate and support you better or differently because mm. um, you can explain, can't you? Mm. And you use strategies yeah. to help. You can explain. It was funny because when I when I told my mum, I'd said to her that probably a year or so ago we'd been uh, started the journey of doing speaking to people online and stuff like that. Um, and 
she when I told her last night, she was shocked. And I think as a 60, nearly 68 year old woman, she um, I think there was an element of her that worried that she'd not done well enough. And I was very conscious of that um, when I was telling her and she she was I was very conscious also of telling her that if this was a positive mum. I went down this road because I wanted to to know. I wanted to understand certain things. And I also wanted to be able to speak about it with more authority because it's part of our business and, and what we do. Um, and I wanted to be able to relate to Jake and have those conversations. It wasn't so that I could go and, you know, use it as an excuse, as you've said, and, and hide behind it. Far from it, actually. Uh, that's just not me as a character at all. But then my dad rung today and I think he was, again, like my mum, he was very conscious that he was worried that they'd done something wrong when I was a child. And I made it very clear to them. I had, I loved my childhood. Like I, I had the greatest childhood. We didn't have all the tech that my kids have got. I just played out in the dirt, <laughs> like with a football and a bike, um, a second hand bike. So, but I loved it. I I don't I don't recall anything being amiss. Um, so I, th the thing I is think though, as a parent, as I go back to the beginning, your your main role is to keep my child safe, and and we can worry that have I done enough? Yeah. And 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 I'll deliver training, and I'll have staff get up saying, "Oh my God, I feel guilty. I, I've not done something." Like on a scale of one to ten for best effort, with who you are and what you've got going on, you have given your ten out of ten best effort. But it's the author, like when Mike, I got a phone call about my son, it was, what, what have I done wrong, what I've missed. But we have to know our children have got their own karmic journey. They've got their own lessons to learn. And if we stand in trust and faith, and my, my 19 year old's phoning me as we speak. I've still got a photo <laughs> on the phone of him when he's like three. Uh, I'll phone him back later. Um, that's a normal reaction. And it's the space that you hold to reassure them you've done a great job. There's a gift in this. And if mm. we believe there's a gift in it, we will find a gift and that have that 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 energy that you leak out with your parents. But that just shows how much they love you because they want to get it right. But there yeah. is no right. And I think we've got to remind remember that as a parent. There is no right, just the best we can do. And if we learn stuff, then apply it. But we don't if we don't know something, we don't know it. So if you don't know something, how can you use that tool if you don't know it? And way back then, there weren't those level of diagnosis that there are now. But I think there was here and we've gone a little bit here and we kind of need to get here a little bit. Um, yeah. and, and be mindful that we've got to have the, the skills and the expertise and the conversations to dig below the surface what's really going on what, what is it stuff that's going on at home we need to support with and now I call it wonky thinking and spaghetti head mm -hmm. because I've coached people and teens and adults who think they've got a diagnosis and when I've coached them it's just they need to understand themselves and settle within themselves and they, they then do not get a diagnosis they don't need a diagnosis because mm -hmm. it, it's dysregulated on the inside mm. so um i'm menopausal i've completely forgot what i was talking about there <laughs> we, we, you were just you were very much in the camp of labels aren't always necessary um my parents the reason they've asked that question is because they love me and they want everything to be right but as you quite rightly said children have to go on their own journey and, and when i was young some 35 40 years ago when i was a you know, my son's age, um, there was no such talk of any of this. Uh, I was just the, the child that was always in trouble um, for talking or not listening or being disruptive. So I, I have 
one final question. Um, what was it when I told you about the conversation that I'd had? You already knew. You said I can tell. What was it that how could you tell? Because I'm, I'm very so interested to know. I'm just so attuned. So there's something called the four tendencies as well by Gretchen Rubin. And I can walk in a room and I can tell straight away with some people what tendency they are. So I am so finely tuned to people's way of being that I spot stuff. So it's it's practice. I just I just look. So I will be coaching sometimes. Um, I, I might be coaching a teen and I notice I, that I think they're neurodiverse, but the parents never spotted, schools never spotted. And I can ask for their school reports and I like highlight, see, I can, I, I just spot stuff because I've spent my life studying and observing people and how they tick and um, they're, yeah, that I, someone who can say something and I'll pull, I'll pull that thread and go that, that's, you're doing this because you think it's this because it's this. So yeah, it's just, just that I, I just spot stuff. So what was it I, in me? Um, oh gosh, this, um, <laughs> Just when I've seen your videos and your way of being and how you connect and relate to your son and there's just little subtleties I just pick up because and I'll be honest even the tone of your email back to explain about the how you'd let me know I can pick up I could pick up on the tone but there was a lot of clues so put all yeah. the clues together um yeah I can so I might get a parent to email me to help their, their child straight away I'm like just by the tone of a thing because I'm just so highly tuned yeah. so uh yeah so I think and I haven't been on LinkedIn for a month because I came off on the 31st December because it was just a distraction um that's why it I'm gets not like on. that yeah mm. and I don't really need it because I'm absolutely chocolate as we say in Liverpool anyway and it was just a distraction um but yeah when I when I but I, the reason why you're successful Andy is because you have tuned into your authentic humanness and you have got, you're tapping into that, that childlike, authentic, human, and you call it unconventional. It's just be me. And mm. that's the quest that we're on. And that's massive. Like, we've just got to learn to be me. And I'm enough as I am without this stuff or this title or this busyness. And it, that's the quest of, 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 of life in a way that it's okay to be me. And I'm just going to be me. Whether I am this person, this person, this person, whether I've got this look, just be me. You put out that vibe, the right people will come towards you. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why you're, 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 why I'm aligned. And thought, you know what? Let's jump on a podcast because there was something in your energy and mine. Like, do you know what? We're going to connect here and resonate. Yeah. yeah. Christina, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I've learned tons. Uh, and I think, um, I think the, the the listeners will as well. Uh, it's been an absolute whirlwind. Pleasure to meet you. Sorry about the whirlwind. Come no, that's good. I'd much rather that than struggle for things to say, um, which doesn't often happen, but you never know. There's always a first. Um, thank you very, very much for giving up your time. Um, and uh, thank you for, for clarifying a few things for me as well. Um, and I will let you know when we're live. I'll let you know when it goes out. And um, if you want, I can send you a, a couple of, I do like social snippets. You may have seen them for the podcast and I'll, I'll create two or three from this um, and I'll send them to you. And then if you want to share them, you can, you can obviously share them. Yes. 
that'd be fantastic it's when i was in a school yesterday said we ha- should have it for happy at school podcast some of the teachers said can we have a podcast and i was like well enough i'm on one tomorrow yeah. um but so maybe maybe give me tips one day so i'm going to finish with the bell of awesomeness wow that's a bell um, so the Bell of Awesomeness is about putting a vibe into the universe. So we don't need a gold star or certificate. We just need to know that when we connect and we're our best selves, we're actually putting this vibe out there and we just don't know how far it's going to travel. So you and I have done that today. I love the bell. Absolutely love the bell. And officers and anywhere I work, I take a bell and they go out and buy one for themselves. <laughs> and it's yellow as well. And I feel like you've got that sort of vibe going on with the with the scarf and yeah. It goes. Yeah, yellow, it goes. Yellow's my 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 kind of colour. Yellow and mm. orange. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Autumn colours. Well, I am an autumn. I had my colours done, so yes, I uh, I love colours, but that's another conversation. That yeah, it's is. been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Um, and there's a lot that we've chatted about, but I think we've 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 made a difference in just an mm. hour's little chit chat. We have. We really have. Christina, thank you very much. Have a lovely weekend. Um, and I'll speak do. to you again soon. Oh, take care. Thanks, Andy. Bye. Cheers, bye.